Wendy's very good about knowing how long each point should take to equate to 30 minutes or 40 minutes, however long the service is, but today it's going to be quite brief. But we're going to be talking about the faith like Abraham. And if you've been in church for quite a while, you've heard about Abraham, you've heard about the faith he's had, the faith that he has endured, the life, the challenges, the things that he's gone through. But I'm going to try and help us see how our personal lives can be affected by faith in ways that if we discover, we discover the importance and, and, and the truth of what faith is, how that can really direct our lives, how we can walk a different pattern, a different direction, if we walk in the same type of faith that Abraham had. Now, the original text and context of Abraham, if you look in Genesis, most of the book of Genesis, there's a lot of it, Abraham is involved. Specifically, chapter 11, 12, and 13 is kind of where you would get the most out of what we will be talking about, what I will be talking about this morning. But I'm going to be reading just a few verses out of Hebrews chapter 11. A number of weeks ago, I told you, probably a month ago, I told you that there's two books in the Bible that are very, very heavily topic-based. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we call it the book of love because that's all it talks about is love. You guys have heard it. You've read it. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, if you just scroll through it, you will find that all it talks about is faith. And it talks about how people did what all because of faith, how they were able to do things. And it was by faith. You will see that almost every sentence, every other sentence, by faith, so-and-so did this. By faith, so-and-so went here. By faith. Everybody say, by faith. <coughs> so we're going to be reading out of Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1 says this. It says, now faith, this is one of the scriptures I learned many, many years ago. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Other translations use a variety of words. So I'm using the New Living Translation for today. Now faith is the assurance. If you have substance in your hand, this is the assurance that there is a plastic container in my hand. Why? Because it's, it's a substance. It's matter. I can feel it, right? So even if I poured the water in here, I can't hold it in my hand. You can't see it anymore. But what just happened to that water? It's still substance. I still have the assurance that I didn't drink air, right? I drank water. Faith is the assurance. It's the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence or the conviction of things not yet seen. You guys got that? That's verse 1. So I'm going to give us five things. Faith gives direction in life. If you have no faith in God, no faith in life, you have no direction. So Abraham got faith. In God, he, he placed his faith in God, and because of that, that relationship and that faith directed the path of his life. Hebrews 11, verse 8 says, It was by faith that Abraham did what? He obeyed when God called him to leave home and go. Say, he obeyed God, called him to leave and go. Go is a direction, right? Don't know where he's going. I don't know where he's going. Do you know where he's going? No, he, but he's going. He's going from where he was, and that is a direction. So God called him to leave home and 
another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He obeyed God, and he just simply went. God told him, I'm going to give you this land as your inheritance. And he, look at the last part of this verse. He went with, everybody say he went. He obeyed, he went. Did he have a survey of the future land? Did he have documents that were found in the courthouse that it would now belong to Abraham and Sarah? He didn't have that. He went, right? He went. He went without knowing where he was going. God didn't even tell him exactly where he was going. But he knew God was leading him. It takes faith to believe in God. You guys have battled through that, right? It's still a battle at times for me, although I'm doing much better. But it's a battle to really have faith in God because faith is illogical. Faith doesn't make sense. I hope you got that. Faith is illogical. So I'm going to use this as an example. If faith is illogical, let's look at an example of what illogical would be. It would be very illogical. I'm just guessing. Maybe you've tried this. It would be illogical to get up on the top of a two-story home and glue feathers to your armpit and gracefully fly down into your neighbor's swimming pool, right? Would that not be illogical? That's illogical. You don't apply faith to that, Damon. That's not faith. That won't work out. Well, how many of you guys have flown in an airplane? Lift up your hands. Come on, lift up your hands. That's illogical. You're flying in something 500 miles per hour, 30,000 feet above this thing right here, in a plane you've never flown before or flown in before, and by someone you've never met, will never meet, and have never known. That's illogical. Do you not think so? But why did you do it? You had faith. Well, that wasn't faith. I just had to get there. You had faith. You had a destination, right? You knew you wanted to go to that destination, but you had to apply faith in order to partake of things that you really didn't know so that you could arrive. And that's what, that's what Abraham did with God. He had to have faith. It was illogical to leave your family, all that you've known, and go somewhere and you don't know where somewhere is. <clears throat> he wasn't angry. He wasn't mad. That's not why he was leaving. Many people leave churches thinking God, they say God's leading us somewhere else. No, you're offended. You're upset. Your panties in a wad. Excuse my language. You know, but they didn't have that one-on-one -on -one encounter with God and he was leading them. You guys, you've had some of those maybe desires or temptations at times. Marriage, jobs, Right? You weren't tempted when you were getting paid well, but you get tempted when you're frustrated, right? But no, he wasn't that way with God. God said, you know what? It's time to go. Faith is illogical. Faith, let's look at the definition of faith. Faith is complete trust and confidence. Complete trust and confidence or confidence in something or someone. Many people said it's hard to have faith. No, it's not. You sat down in that chair. You got in your car, cranked it, and came here. When you go and buy a new vehicle, 
If you're anything like me, you will get in that car and you will floor it, right? The wheels could come off. You don't know. But you have faith that some guy in Korea or China or Wangtang Mungmang, they put the nuts on right, and you can go 100 miles an hour to test it out. You guys get where I'm going. You use faith a lot in your life because you have complete trust or confidence in something or someone. But when we think about having faith and being used by God, I don't have faith there. Yeah, faith is so many different areas. Faith, everybody say faith is illogical. So as you come into this morning, you look at this, and we're two weeks away from moving off this property, you think, man, it's illogical. It's illogical. You thought about it a year and a half ago when we said we were selling this building. It's illogical. Why would we sell 35,000 square feet of paid-for property? That's illogical, right? Come, Please agree with me. But by faith, we have, we have discerned that God is leading us to a new land of promise, a new life cycle of raising up disciples and Christians and reaching our community. This book right here called Autopsy of a Deceased Church, I share with you guys that I'm in a, a class right now with other pastors who are a part of churches that are struggling, and it's nothing that they've done personally. It is a sign of the times. And Tom Rainer is an author that has spent decades, over 25 years, trying to help revitalize churches. And unfortunately, many of those that he was hired or offered um, to go in and help get back on track, many of those churches died. They closed the doors. They're deceased. So what he began to do is begin to do autopsies of those churches that died. They may have been going for 70 years. Some were going for 30 years. Some were going for five years. And what he realized through the autopsy is the number of consistencies that a church did or did not do that led to their decline. One of them was that they were not living by faith. They were living by fear. We don't want to live by fear. Amen? Some of the things that he saw, because faith gives direction, like we're learning about him, faith gives direction. Some of the things that he saw was that, um, you know, the autopsy of a deceased church is whenever churches begin to lose their desire for reaching the lost, they're not evangelical in their personal lives. That was one sign that a church would be on the decline towards dying. They were not outward focused. They more focused on keeping ourselves together, taking care of ourselves. They weren't active in their community. They weren't forward focused. If you've seen that in some churches or families or organizations, if all they do is focus on what used to be, how good those years were or how good so-and-so was, that's, that's backwards. You know, so when churches begin to look that way, they are begin or they're already on the decline to dying. So those are just some of the signs that, that, that faith is not involved in that. You know, faith is not involved in that. We need to look forward to what God has. Another other couple of things that he saw was that the church core congregation became extremely comfortable where they, are, where they were. No one would serve. No one would step up except for the old faithfuls who had taught the same class for 30 years or 20 years, you know. And so many people admired those but would never follow their footsteps. 
Those are just some signs. And throughout the last four years, I've tried my best to communicate that to all of us, that there were some significant changes that we needed to change. We needed to apply faith and get back in the discipline of winning souls, amen, of making disciples. Faith is the complete trust or confidence in something or someone. And the more that we trust in what we could provide God, that's the more that we begin to slow down. We have to believe for the impossible. We have to reach for the unreachable. Do you know that? When we get, when we get confident or we get comfortable, we begin to slow down momentum. So I want to ask you a personal question. What have you truly stepped out in faith and believed God for in obedience this year? Just think about that. What have you really heard from God, read from God, and you obeyed, you stepped out into what God has led you to do this year? Has anyone, I don't want you lifting your hands because you don't want to blend in or not blend in. I want you to be honest. Have you heard from God something significant within the past year and you stepped out and obeyed? I want y'all to see how little hands lift. How little hands. And it's not a judgmental thing. It's just, it's where we find ourselves. That's not how this Bible was written. Right? So many more stepped out in faith and they just they went for it so let that be something that you can apply to your life step out of faith second thing is faith clings to the promises of god verse nine even when he reached the land god had promised he lived there by faith why did he live there by faith well because he wasn't given a deed to land you know, God even promised him that he would be the father of many nations, that his descendants would be like the grains of sand on a seashore. That's a lot of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So he arrives at this land of promise, and yet he's not just given land that's his. He can see, you know, boundary markers, and he didn't have his wife not popping out kids by the week, right? So he's like, okay, what's going on? Well, verse 9 says, even when he reached the land of promise, he lived there. By faith, he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, which was his son and grandson, and who inherited the same promise. Here he is. God tells me I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a leader of a great nation. And Abraham, the meaning of Abraham's name means a father of a multitude. So there's so many things that are confusing for Abraham, right? What I'm promised is not really happening. But Scripture proves that faith clings to the promise, not the present. Faith clings to the promise, not the possession. He didn't possess the land. He didn't possess the children yet, right? But he clung to the promise that God had given him. He kept clinging to the promise. Verse 9, he lived there by faith, and he was like a foreigner living in tents. Foreigner, the definition for foreigner is a person not belonging to a particular place or group, a stranger or outsider. Read that again, foreigner, a person not belonging to a particular place or group, a stranger or outsider. So I want to give you right now full assurance that as we move forward as Life Spring Church, you will feel like a foreigner. 
you're going to feel like a foreigner. Why? Because we're going to be meeting, we're going to be gathering at a foreign location. We're going to be parking in a foreign parking lot. You guys see that? We're going to be walking up foreign steps. We're going to be sitting in foreign pews. It's going to be very foreign. There's going to be some times where, you know, it feels uncertain. It may feel a little windy, a little shaky at times, as it would if we were living in a tent. Right? You guys already lost me. You're already thinking about lunch. So you're going to feel like a foreigner. It's going to feel different. But let's be like Abraham and say, you know what? We may not have the land. We may not have the building. We may not have the descendants. But I'm going to live by faith in this tent because I'm clinging to the promise of what God has told us. You guys follow that? We live by faith as a foreigner there. And we're going to be leading you to do some foreign things. Like we're going to be reaching out to our community in ways that I will be foreign to. I'm a foreigner with you as we move forward. You guys are going to be leading small groups. You're going to be teaching classes. You're going to be leading other types of activities in our community. You are. It's going to be very foreign. You guys don't look excited about it. Why? Why do we get nervous when we talk about something different, something foreign, something changed? Oftentimes, it's because we've gotten comfortable doing the wrong thing. We've gotten comfortable doing the wrong thing, thinking that it is the right thing. So when we start doing the right thing, it feels foreign. And many times we will feel like it's time to bail. Like maybe maybe God's time with for me at this church is just kind of the end because it feels so foreign. Abraham has now arrived in this promised land. He doesn't have a load of kids following him as soon as he's crossed the line. He doesn't have a deed given to him. Do you know that when Abraham died, he still did not own the promised land? There's only recordings of two real estate transactions that Abraham did. And one of them is just a cave that is basically the burial ground for the family when he died. How upsetting is that? His son didn't even get it. The next son didn't even get it. But they all held on. They clung to the promise. The third point is God, I mean, faith realizes the impossible. There's so many more scriptures I want to tie into, but like I said, sake of time. Verse 10 says, Abraham was confidently looking forward. He didn't focus on, I don't have the land yet. I don't have children right now. He kept looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. That's what we're looking for. A city designed and built by God. That's what we're doing with Life Spring Church. We're going to wait on God, and he's going to provide a city designed by him, for him, and when he's ready. Third point is faith realizes the impossible, verses 11 through 12. We've got to realize that there are certain things that are going to seem impossible to us. If you look in Scripture, you find that Abraham and Sarah, they had no children, but God gave them a promise that she would bear a child. Abraham was a hundred and Sarah was 90 when they gave birth to Isaac. Could you imagine women being 90 years old and breastfeeding? Abraham, men, could you imagine 
being 115 years old and having to raise a teenage boy. Impossible, right? But yet, God made it happen. But yet, because they had faith in you, this is what's crazy, is, is even in Scripture, the writer of Hebrews even gives accolades to Sarah's faith. Let's read that in verse 11. It was by faith that, Sarah, that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. She didn't believe that she would one day have a child, that she longed to have a child. She didn't just hold tight to that faith that I'm going to have, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to have what I want. No. The Bible says that she clung, she held tightly to God's promise. Do you see that? And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. That's how God spoke to Abram. He said, I want you to lay down, look at the stars and count them. He said, that's how many children, that's how many descendants are going to be from you. To someone who doesn't even have a child, to someone who doesn't even have all this land. The fourth thing I want to share with you, I get there, we need to realize that faith realizes the impossible. Luke 137 says, for nothing is impossible with God. Hebrews eleven six, right before 8, when I started, it says that it is impossible to please God without faith. So we have to have faith in God. The fourth thing I want to share with you is faith embraces the future. As I said in verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city where there would be eternal foundations. Not trend, not not molding or shaping the church in a way that we could just get that age group or that specific demographic of people. No, he said, we want this city to have eternal foundations. And it's the same thing as we move into life spring. We want eternal foundations to start and grow our church. Now, verse 13 and 16 also talk about how they embrace the future. Abraham saw beyond the time. And he believed God that God would provide and do what he said he was going to do. Guys, we need to embrace change. We need to embrace foreign feelings because change is going to happen. We need to embrace what life spring is going to consist of. Embrace the future. Everybody say embrace the future. Now, if you want to sit, soak, and eventually sour, that's not embracing the future. Right? I'm going to get a little more bold. I'm going to get a little bit more frank as if I haven't been enough already. But if, if you want to sit, soak, and eventually sour, we will kindly, joyfully refer you to other churches in the area where you can sit and you can soak and you will eventually sour. But LifeSpring Church is going to be active. We're going to be serving. We're going to be reaching our community in ways we've never dreamed of. Why? Because you were created for such a time as this. We're not going to sit around and wait for somebody else to do something great for God. Why would we do that? A fear? We're not going to live by fear. We're going to live by faith. You are going to get a chance to be a part of the most powerful move of God in High Spring. Not because of anything that I've done, but because you're being obedient. You're stepping out in faith. Amen?
Verse 13, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what God had promised, but yet they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. They hold, they had, they, they clung to what God promised and they were future minded. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who needed to say such things were looking forward to a country they would call their own. But look at verse 15. If they had longed for a country they came from, they could have gone back to where they came from. And if we long for what fellowship used to be or what we've experienced at other churches, we can always try and go back there, right? But that's not God's plan. God's plan is that we move forward. There's still lost souls that are, they're being born every day in our area, right? You work with them, you drive with them, you cuss them out at the red light. They're still lost. I said, you cuss them out. I didn't say me. But there's still lost souls that we need to reach. Look at what it says. It says, but they looked for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed for them to call them, to call him God. He has prepared a city for them. Guys, over 400 years later, after God told Abraham that he would possess that land, over 400 years later is when it actually happened. And each descendant clung to that promise and said, I'm going to be a part of this happening. So I want us to see that. The people who started Fellowship Church didn't know Dale would be sitting here this morning. Would not, didn't know Misty would be sitting here this morning. Didn't know Shane would be sitting here this morning. But they did it in hopes that generations down the road, families would come to know Christ through what they planted. And that's, I want you to keep your mind on that. It's going to be foreign for the next couple of months, maybe a year, maybe more. It's going to be foreign. But keep in mind, it's not about us right now. It's about experiencing the power of God three and four generations from now because of your commitment and obedience to God. Amen? We've got to be future-minded. We've got to be multi-generational minded. We're going to have new culture that begins to, to move and grow in Lifestream Church. There are going to be different ministries that are going to be built and, le- and led by you. We're going to be training you. We're going to be equipping you. Because it's your turn. Everybody say, it's my turn. It's my turn. And the last thing was, faith passes the supreme test. And you guys may know the story, but at one time, God let Abraham, the the son Isaac, that he had promised him, led him to sacrifice and to offer him as an offering. That had to be so hard. I can't even imagine but for somehow, Abraham knew that I have to obey him. And if God tells me I need to sacrifice this, I need to give this up, Abraham trusted that God would somehow provide because God had already done what he promised. It was by faith Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. This is verse 17 of the 11th chapter. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his own son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that it was Isaac, that if Isaac died, this is what the scripture says. He reasoned that if Isaac died, God would be able to bring him back to life again. In a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. He had the ultimate test and he passed it only because he had faith that God would honor his promises you guys see that you guys are still 
haven't beating hearts, you still have lungs, it's your chance. It's your chance to now hear from God, obey God, and give an offering to God. What are you willing to give up to obey God? If you're like I was, I thought giving up sin was an offering to God. No, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he's the new landlord, and he gets rid of the sin in your life. You or I do not have the power to give up sin. Sin is our DNA. You guys got that? If you ever give up sin, it's because the Holy Spirit gave you the ability to do that. So what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to walk away from, like Abraham did, to go in the direction that God is leading you to reach people, to change your legacy? Do you want your kids to follow Christ? Do you want them to marry a godly woman or man? Do you want them to honor God's word? Do you want them to impact the surrounding area? Well, it's not going to be because we have the most phenomenal children's ministry here that could be a part of it but it's going to be because you led by example and you lived out your faith what are you willing to give up i know men that have given up full paid sports scholarships to college they've given it completely up to go on the mission field one of the men is one of our board of advisors as a church, he could have became the CEO of a small local family multi-million dollar business, Dakota Ice Cream. You guys have heard of that before? He chose not to take the CEO position and rather pastor a church. Another one of our advisors gave up the college scholarship so he can live on a foreign mission field, ended up getting arrested, is in jail being a Christian. And some other underlying issues, but you guys see what I'm saying? What are you willing to give up? It's not about giving up bad things, it's about giving up good things. Last thing I want to say as I close. Verse 19 says, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Ultimately, God provided the ram in the bush just like God provided Christ for us as a substitute for our sacrifice. Christ is our ultimate sacrifice. But let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Scripture says, give up and you will receive. Give and you will receive. Not might, it says you will receive. Give and you will receive. Your gift will what? It will return to you in fragments. It will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. You guys have heard me joke about cereal, right? The box is this big, and when you open it up, it's like, what, two inches of cereal? And then you read that big label, it says contents you know, may have uh, compressed because of they've been shaken or whatever the case. Well, this is what Scripture's telling you. Say, look, you give to God, he's going to repay you full 
Then he said, I'm such an awesome God that I'm going to press it down, right? I, I might give you a big box, but God says, I'm going to press it down, and it's going to shake it together so that there's room for more. He's not going to leave you with all that emptiness. He wants to, to really bless you and give you more so that he can provide for you and allow you to use what you have been given. It says, running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And guys, I'm not talking about monetary goods. I'm not talking about money, okay? I'm talking about what are you willing to give up to obey God? It's time for some of you to lead prayer groups. It's time for some of you to lead um, small groups. It's time for some of you to lead outreach ministries. It's time for some of you to lead in worship. It's time. It's time. It's time. What are you willing to give up? Some couch time, some TV time, some busyness time, right? That's what God's looking for you to give up so that you can invest in his kingdom. Because when you stand before Christ, he's not going to say, well done, my good and faithful attendee of going to church. He's not going to say that. It's what you do outside those doors and these doors with souls that he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. So faith gives directions to life. Faith clings to the promises of God. Faith realizes the impossibility or the impossible. And faith embraces the future. Faith passes the sincerity test. And it was very quick. But. So right now we're going to pray. We're going to eat some lunch. Um, we have public subs along with some other items that go with that. So let's just snack up, give some time for you guys to change. For those of you who are hanging out with us, I'm going to tell you, be honest, we need your help. Um, so if you weren't planning on staying, um, that's fine. But if you're considering staying, um, that's great. We have T-shirts around here we can give to you uh, so you can help out. We're going to do purge and pack. So we have dumpsters that are going to be filled with stuff we have stuff that's going to be packed up we have two trailers that we're going to be loading up and hauling over to we moved our building our storage building 12 by 36 storage shed it's moved out to Wendy and M's property that's going to be our temporary